podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another Anfield Index Extra podcast. I'm delighted to be joined once again by the, the voice of many a podcast across the AI channel and his own podcast, The Two-Footed Pod. It's Mr. Dave Henrik. Dave, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, Mark. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Getting excited for the game this afternoon. Just to give you all a heads up, we are recording this Saturday afternoon just before the Villa game. We haven't yet had the team news. We're hoping to get that midway through the game. And without sounding like a magician or anything, just to let you all know, this hasn't been set up. I've not given Dave an agenda or anything. He's no idea what I'm going to ask him. I just wanted to catch him cold, really. There's a lot of great content on AI with under pressure and fatigue index and things like that. So I just wanted a general, honest chit-chat just off the cuff. We did one of these in January. We were joined by Stephen, who unfortunately can't join us today. And one of the topics there we discussed was Alisson and was he our most important player and quite a lot of social media chat came about after that so hopefully this will bring the same content so my thoughts really Dave are Liverpool's biggest problem is sort of squad number 15 and above if you like you could even argue 14 and above when you look at the the minutes played by certain members of the squad this year you've got Andy Robertson just seems to play every minute of every single game including for internationals and then you've got people like Nico Williams, Costa Simicas, even Minamino before he left. They just didn't seem to get a look in at all, really, even when we're that struggling at centre-back now and our only real fit too are Phillips and Kabak, who've done all right together. But Ben Davis isn't even making the bench on some games like that. So, unfortunately, we're not as privileged as Man City and can't have £300 million options on the bench but those sort of squad players your oxes your shakiris that aren't even getting minutes off the bench really that that's quite a worry to me so what are your thoughts along alongside that yeah i mean the lack of squad depth has been an issue for us for the, the last few years and if you look at this season in the premier league we've played 30 games right so Ginny wijnaldum has played in all 30 with 27 starts robbo all 30 all starts Mo 29 with 27 starts. Bobby and Trent, both 28 with 26 starts. Sadio, 27 with 25 starts. Ali's 25 all starts. Fab, 22, 20 starts. Henderson and Milner, both 21 appearances. Henderson has 20 starts. Milner has nine. Curtis has 20 appearances, 12 starts. Thiago has 16 appearances, 13 starts. So that's everybody that's played over half the games in the Premier League so far. And when you look at the high end of that, like Ginny Wijnaldum looks exhausted, absolutely run into the ground. And he has played consistently over the last five years that he's been at the club, pretty much week on week. He rarely gets a break. Andy Robertson's been the same since arriving. Moe's been the same. Bobby's been the same. Trent since he got into the team. Sadio, Fab and Ali have had injury problems. 
Henderson's had injury problems. Milner has aged and has in, ha, had injury problems and isn't good enough to start for us anyway. And then you've got Curtis is the only kind of up-and-coming young player in that who hasn't had all that mileage because Thiago was playing deep into seasons with Bayern as well. Now, I know he had injury issues there, but we've got a lot of guys with a lot of miles on their legs. And you contrast that with a club like City. Ederson has played every game. Actually, no, sorry. Ederson has missed one game. He's played 30 of 31. Ruben Diaz, 28. Rodri, 28. Sterling, 26. He's already missed five. De Bruyne, 24. He's missed seven. Mara's the same. Gundigan's missed eight. Canseo has missed eight. Foden has missed eight. Gabby Jesus has missed nine. Kyle Walker, Bernardo Silva have missed 10. So, like, number one, they've got more depth and more quality quality than us. Number two, they've turned their team over better than we have. Yeah. Rodri's in his second season. Diaz in his first season. Canseo, I think that's his second season. Foden's the, the young up and comer there. And he's been he's been able to come into a team where it, it was made very easy for him in, in the first kind of six months of his time in the first team where he's playing with De Bruyne, Sterling, two of the top five players in the league, Bernardo Silva, who had that incredible season the year they beat us to the title by a point. Like, there's all these immense players taking a lot of that burden off him, whereas when we put Curtis in, there's a lot of burden putting Curtis. Because in, in, in our midfield, like, Fab is incredible. He's one of the best, if not the best in the world at what he does. But he's a defensive midfielder. Ginny isn't really a creative force for us. So when Curtis comes in, we're expecting him to add creativity to the team. When Foden goes in, he's got De Bruyne, he's got Gundogan, he's got Mares, he's got Bernardo Silva. There's far less pressure put on him. So he's not expected to perform brilliantly every week. And neither are any of the rest of them. Because if De Bruyne has a bad game... Well, Gundogan will have a good game, or Mares will have a good game. But with us, you look at us this season, unless Mo plays well, none of our front three are playing well. Unless Fab plays well, none of our midfield are playing well. Henderson's had a bad season, injuries, dip in form, obviously came off the injury last season, has never looked fit at all this season, got stuck at centre-back, looked lost. Ginny had a good start to the season, but for the last three months has looked a shell of himself. We haven't had that. We haven't had a bunch of players in form in all likelihood because they are shattered, absolutely shattered. And I do think the blame go on that. Some of it is on, is on Michael Edwards for not turning the squad over a little bit more. Whatever about the first eleven. And keeping that together, we know the issues with the, the finances and not being able to build on the Champions League win and go and improve the squad and buy from a position of strength. And yes, we won the league the following season, but nobody can argue that we weren't a better team in 1819 as opposed to 1920. We won a Champions League and finished a point off the title. We gained two points in the league. We won it by a mile because everybody else fell off, but we only gained two points in the league as opposed to going out of the Champions League early. And we didn't look the same calibre of threat in that season either. We were a lot more workmanlike. 
we ground out results a lot better. You mentioned uh, before we started recording about the likes of Robbo. Well, Costa Simicus was bought to, repl- to give him rest. Unfortunately, with Virgil getting injured and the conveyor belt of people that have been rolled in at left centre-back, I don't think Klopp has had the faith in Simicus next to, say, a Quebec. Whereas if it was Virgil, I think Simicus probably has six starts in the Premier League, maybe. And those six starts would give Robbo a lot of rest. And I think that's what's been a big problem. The injuries to the centre-backs have meant that the midfield has had to be overplayed because he doesn't want too much change there. He stopped relying on Curtis recently. It's it's back to the older guard, Thiago included, but he is 30. The full-backs haven't been able to get a rest because you don't want to change your entire back line from what you trust. So if the centre-backs are gone, well, the full-backs have to play. We don't really have a good back or bright back at the moment, though Nico did show flashes last year. But part of the blame is on Edwards for not turning the squad over. Part of it's on the owners for not providing the money. And part of it's on Klopp. Because, in truth, this idea of working with a smaller squad, it's just not feasible. Not if you want to continually challenge for Premier League and Champions League. He was never expected to win the Champions League with Dortmund. He was only expected to challenge domestically. And challenge, not win. Because Bayern's... Like, remember, Dortmund had the sixth biggest budget in the Bundesliga, the sixth highest wage bill, when he won his titles. So getting top four was all that was really expected of him in the early days. In latter years, when they spent a bit more money, yes, he was expected to challenge. But, I mean, challenge, stay within 10 points of Bayern and you've done well, in truth, because their budget is just so much higher. They've got a team of world-class players. It's different with us. The expectations are higher. And the calibre of players needs to be re, uh, needs to be lifted. Just to cut in there, so one of the things that concerns me about that is in a season like this, which is it's as you'll everybody will know, it's such a condensed season. The quantity of games, the international breaks are three games now, not two. If in a situation like that, and I get what you're saying about Simicast with with the changes all around him in in defence, but if he's not getting his chance now, my worry is what sort of mental effect that has on him going into next season, that he must be thinking in the back of his head, the manager doesn't trust me here. He doesn't even get on for 10, 15 minutes at the end of games to sort of get him any match sharpness. So it's it's not just this season that's concerning me. It's the knock-on for some of these players. I mean, Ox, was it was it Arsenal or Wolves? He came on as a sort of false night and they looked good and he looked quite sharp for 10 minutes. And again, he's not been seen since. And lo and behold, he might get picked today, he might not. But it wouldn't surprise anybody if he did get picked. He stunk the place out because he's cold again. And then that mm. must have a mental effect on them. And this guy doesn't fancy me here. He doesn't trust me. I, I'm not getting a chance here. How, however tired Robertson is, Wijnaldum is, they're getting picked ahead of me game after game. It's Yeah, that concerns me. I don't know what your thoughts are that on the long-term effect that could have on some of these fringe players that they're just not getting a sniff at all. Well, of all the players who've played in the Premier League this season for us, and there's an awful lot of them, like there's an awful lot of players who've played in the Premier League for us this season. Um, If you go through the squad, you've got 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 28 players have played for Liverpool in the Premier League this year. Right, That's too many. 
and many of them aren't good enough. So the issue for us is, like, we say small group, but it there isn't a small group of players at Liverpool. There is a large group of players available to Klopp. It's just there's a small group of players that are A, good enough, and B, that he trusts. Um, of those 28, Simicus has played the least minutes. Players who've played more than him include Cuevin Kelleher, who started the season as the third goalkeeper, Adrian, who started the season as the second goalkeeper and is now the third goalkeeper, Reese Williams, Nico Williams, Virgil van Dijk, who got injured in October, Ozan Kabak, who only arrived at the end of January, Joe Gomez, who's been injured since November, Taki Minamino, who went out on loan and is going to miss half the season, Joel Matip, who's also ruled out and will miss half the season, and Matt Phillips, who only came into the team in January. So all of them have played more than Costa Simicus. Now, we know he had COVID and I know he got injured, but he's had one appearance in the Premier League. Zero starts. He's played six games across all competitions with three starts. One start in the League Cup, two in the Champions League. Like, it's quite alarming, is... isn't it, when you read it like that and, you, as you say, you see the players that are playing more minutes than him. And it's not just starts. I understand Robertson has fought very hard and he's proved himself to be one of, if not the best left back in the league. Mm. But it's it's just the minutes. It's that he's not even getting 10, 15 minutes at the, to see a game out, to give Robertson a bit of time. He's just not getting looked at at all. No, he's not even getting considered. And like we, we played recently against Arsenal and Robbo got taken off. And James Milner got put to left back rather than Costa Simicus. And James Milner can't play left-back. He's too slow, doesn't have the positional sense, can't do anything defensively. Andy Robertson has played 2,666 minutes in the Premier League this year, 3,509 minutes in all competitions. Like, that is absolutely ludicrous for one player to have played that much at this point in the season. We still have... That's just Liverpool minutes, isn't it? That that's just Liverpool minutes. That doesn't take in, minutes no, it well. doesn't take into account Scottish minutes at all, which are probably 500 more. Pretty, pretty much he plays, he's played six games, hasn't he, for Scotland, I think, two international breaks, three games each time, and he pretty much plays the full 90 every time. Yeah. Costa Simicus, on the other hand, has played 225 minutes for Liverpool this season. So, like, his league minutes, he's played... He's played five Premier League minutes. Five. James Milner has played more left-back in the Premier League this season than Costa Simicus, who we paid £11 million to bring in. And I think you're right. I think it will have an effect on his mentality. It, it genuinely wouldn't surprise me if he moved on this summer. There's interest from Napoli and a couple of other clubs that wanted him before we bought him. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if we moved him on even if we took a little bit of a loss and then maybe went and bought another left-back, uh, maybe a British left-back for the quota, someone like a Lloyd Kelly that we've been in for before. Uh, if Newcastle were to go down, I think Jamal Lewis would still make sense for us. It really wouldn't surprise me if Simic... Now, he's a good player, but for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to have the trust of Jurgen Klopp. And no. it's problematic. It is problematic for a fella to come in and play 225 minutes um, by, you know, kind of mid-April 
just isn't good enough. And he's been on the bench. Now, he, like I said, he did miss a bunch of games. Um, he had two different injuries. He had a thigh issue and he had a knee injury. But, like, he's been on the bench and not played nine of the last 12 games. He's been on the bench and not played 13 times this season in the league, in the league alone. There's also a game in the FA Cup where he was on the bench and didn't play. And there's been three Champions League games. So he sat on the bench for 17 games this season and not gotten the call. He's been on the bench 18 times in total. Sorry, 19 times in total. And gotten gotten the nod to go on. But, like, nobody... like Fair enough, they can judge him in training, but... Like Stuart Downing was the best player in training on a daily basis when he was at Liverpool. And you'd see him on the pitch and he was god-awful. So it's fair enough. If, if he doesn't train particularly well, maybe that's where some of Klopp's doubts come from. But like, you can't really tell until you see the boy play. You can't really tell what he can offer until you see him play. Because he might just be one that clicks in a match situation where in the mundane kind of grind of training, it's not all that inspiring for him. I once watched, Felipe Contepomi, rugby fans will remember, one of the best fly halves in the world. I once watched him train, and he looked like the worst player you could imagine. He looked like he'd won a raffle to take part in a training session, because it was just monotonous. It was something just to do to get towards the game. He worked hard, but his technique would be off. The ball would skew off his foot. His passes would be overthrown or underthrown. He wouldn't have his weight right. And then you'd see him in the game and he was just mind-blowingly good. Everything was inch perfect. And it could be the same with Simicus. Do you know what I mean? It might just be that he doesn't train well, but you need to see him in a game. And he needs a couple of games. The problem is... How do you turn around to Andy Robertson and say, right, you're not on the team for the next two games? Now, you could say, look, for Villa, and isn't it Leeds next weekend? Andy, you're not going to play. You'll play against Real, but you're not going to play the next two league games. We're going to give them the cost. And and we'll see. You'll find out more in those 180 minutes than we have in the dribs and drabs we've seen so far this season. Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, and that's just one example. I mean, I'm presume you're looking at a similar website than me. I'm on transfer market. So midfield minutes this season. This is all competitions for Liverpool. Marco Gruich, who it must be League Cup at the start of the season before he went on loan, 180. Oxlade Chamberlain, 257. And again, to me, that's shocking. And I know he had a horrific knee injury. And again, it's finding the right time. And But it's just these players are getting underused. And What's better, a really tired, overrun, overworked Wijnaldum or giving Ox a go? And at the moment, it just seems like Klopp is just too afraid, too loyal. And he's just trying to make all these players drink from the same well. And to me, that's what's had as big a detrimental effect on us as losing Virgil Gomez Matip for the season. It's it's mind-baffling to me, really, that these players don't get opportunities off a bench even. I think that's... That's the big one for me. Not just they're not starting them. I can understand trying to start them. But his, his use of subs has cost us this season, in my mm-hmm. opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, he is he's he is loyal to a fault. There's absolutely no question, and that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. I, it's not something to criticize the man for. It's a, it's a good personality trait to have. Whether it's the ideal situation in in management is open for debate. Some managers aren't like that. Rafa Benitez, for example, wasn't like that. Um, look, if, if if you factor in, say, our our best eleven, right? The best eleven players Liverpool Football Club can put on a pitch if everybody's fit and there's a game tomorrow. Allison and goal, Trent, Robbo, Virgil, one of Gomez and Matip, whichever one you prefer. I would say Matip's probably still a little bit better, so we'll go with him. Midfield, Fabinho, Ginny. Thiago's better than Henderson, but Klopp does pick Henderson, so we'll go Henderson. That That's the midfield that he's sort of relied on for the last couple of years. And then the front three is the front three. So, Absolutely, and and all the success that they've brought us, the ninety-seven points, the Champions League final, winning the Champions League, winning the league to a certain extent, they definitely deserve that loyalty and that reward. Of course, absolutely, of course they've they've earned that, and as you say, they are his chosen eleven, and they've brought us success like we haven't had since the seventies and eighties. So fair, fair play to them. But I think he's harming them by then not letting them have so, twenty minutes off, half an hour off. That's the thing. So let's let's look at, at that eleven for a second, right? Ali has had a couple of injury problems over this the last couple of seasons, and he's in a bad run of form at the moment. But there's a very understandable reason why with his with his dad. So that's that that's him, right? Trying to set a poor season. He had COVID. He got injured. He hasn't performed particularly well. Andy Robertson has been massively overplayed. Matip is out for the season. Played. 10 games in the league this year? Yeah, 10 games in the league, nine starts. Virgil get injured early on, but that's a freak injury. You can't really blame that on anybody. Henderson is breaking down. He's had six injuries or five injuries in the last 12 months. And his form has fluctuated drastically. Fabinho's had a couple of injuries. That's just what he is. Ginny, completely overplayed. Mo overplayed, and the other two have been in dreadful form pretty much all season. But he continues to go to that 11, and here's why. Our backup goalkeepers are Cuevin Keller, who, who he's got talent, but he's still very, very young, very raw, very, very inexperienced. So there's not really a good option to bring in to give Allison a rest. Allison misses out if he's injured. He doesn't get rests. Adrian will we'll just say no more about him. Nico Williams is not ready to play regularly for Liverpool. And therefore, Klopp doesn't really have a reliable backup at right back. Nico probably needs to go on loan next season. He probably should have gone on loan this season. And we should have brought in somebody at right back. But Nico's not quite there yet. Simicus we bought in. We've talked about him. Barely got a chance. Gomez is one of the backup centre-backs. He's injury prone. Quebec, say now, is the other one. He wasn't there at the start of the season. It was Reese Williams and Nat Phillips. Reese was playing conference football last year and is nowhere near Premier League ready. And we couldn't give Nat Phillips away to a championship club last summer. Couldn't find a buyer for him. So that's the level he was at. So we went into the season with three centre-backs, two of whom were injury-prone. In midfield, Thiago, 
our new signing, brilliant player, has had a bit of a rough adjustment to the Premier League, has had some injury problems. Ox, career of injury problems. Naby, bunch of injuries over the last three years and has never really established himself at Liverpool. And James Milner, who's 35, and, and, and Curtis, who's, who's a kid at 19. So there's your five backups. Three of them injury-prone, one old and past, well, well past his best. The other one probably not quite ready for a major starting role. And then attack, we brought in Jota, that was great, but then he got hurt. Ox, or sorry, Shaq, who's a talented player who's never lived up to that and is inconsistent and seems to flit in and out of favour with Klopp. And Divock Origi, who's probably the most frustrating player we've ever had in that he'll have spells of like three and four games where he starts to look like it's all clicking and then he just falls off a cliff and he's awful for three months. And the final one was Tacky, who started the season with us and obviously didn't really have the trust of Klopp, doesn't really fit in a 4-3-3, far better in like a box midfield or is it a, a 10 and a diamond or a 10 and a 4-2-3-1 or the second striker in a two-man pairing. He didn't have Klopp's trust. He's gone alone. So when you look at the at the squad we have and, and the backup 11, he trusts Gomez, there's no question. He trusts Thiago, there's no question. And he trusts Jota. And outside of them, plus the first 11 that we named, I don't think there's any player there that if his life depended on it, he would pick them to play. If he yeah. had one game to decide the fate of his life and his family and he could pick 14 players, I think it's that 14. And I don't think he'd even need to think about it. I don't think there's anyone else there that makes a real argument to Klopp that, well, look what I've done for you. And those that he might even consider, like an Ox or a Nabi, they're injured. They're injury-prone. And of the starting four, or the, the starting 11 and the three subs, there's three of them, Henderson, Matip, and Gomez, who are massively, uh, sorry, and Thiago, who are massively injury-prone. Four of them. Four of, of the 14 players that we know Jurgen Klopp trusts are injury-prone. And if you add Naby, even Milner, and Ox to make 17, those three are injury-prone as well. We have 10 players that Jurgen Klopp trusts that don't have significant injury issues. 10. And of those 10, unfortunately, this season, a number of them have been out of form or injured yeah. or Zemane with his COVID and injuries. It's, is it any wonder we really had the season we've had that none of us were expecting? That's the thing. Of that 10, Virgil got hurt. He's going to miss all the season. Mane has been... Uh, he's been awful. Trent has been awful for large parts. Now, he's been better recently, and Bobby's been largely awful. So of that 10, four of them, four of them have either been injured or out of form. So that leaves six. And that six are Ginny Wijnaldum and Robbo, who've played every game and look exhausted. Mo, who's played all bar one and looks tired. Ali, who's had some injury problems. Fab, who's had some injury problems. 
Like, and Diogo Jota, who missed a bunch of the season as well. So, I mean, you know, the only t- the only three that haven't had injury problems this year that Klopp trusts and haven't had, like, bad runs of form are Ginny, Robbo, and Mo. Their tiredness, of, their lack of form at times is down to tiredness, not poor form. They're just exhausted. He's got three players that he really trusts. And you can add Curtis as well to make a match day 18 type of squad. But he's a kid. He's, he's, he's 19, 20. So you can't really rely on him every week, game on game. There's three players out of the 18 that Klopp would probably pick as the best 18 players at the club who haven't had injuries and haven't dropped off a cliff. Three. No wonder we're so far off the, off the pace. Yep. Well, the team has just been announced now for the Aston Villa game this afternoon. I don't know if you've seen it or not yet, Dave. No surprises, as we were all expecting, really. Allison in goal, Trent, Phillips, Kabak and Robertson, a midfield of Fabinho, Wijnaldum and Milner, and then Salah, Firmino and Jota up top. So Mane misses out, Thiago misses out, but yet again, no rest for Andy Robertson, no rest for Wijnaldum. And the other big surprise, I suppose, shock, is that Ben Davis is actually alive and well, and he is on the substitutes bench. But it's just, I, oh, I know Villa thumped the 7-2 in the reverse game and every game's got to be taken seriously and we're, we're desperate for the three points to, to try and claw our way into the top four. But a home game against them, surely, if this isn't the game, to get, as you say, even give Robertson and Wijnaldum a break, Simicass and Curtis Jones starting that game, then they're just not going to get their chance, are they? And surely then that points to the, the biggest priority in the summer has to be, as you say, He's got his 14, so 15, 16, 17 have to be of that quality and calibre that he trusts and can do a job for us. And, and not God, even that, but of that 14, like it's, it's probably time to move on from a couple. Um, it's time to move on from Joel Matip. He's, he's too injury prone, he can't be relied on. Um, we don't Bobby, know what Gomez is going to be like after that's a horrific a, look, injury. People need to get it into their heads. Joe Gomez didn't tear his ACL. He's not on the same timeline as Virgil. He's got a torn patella tendon. It's a far worse injury. It's a far more complex surgery, a far more complex rehabilitation. So anybody quoting an article in The Echo, please stop. Please stop. They haven't a breeze what they're talking about. Joe Gomez faces a long path back. Joe Gomez will likely be, at best, the fourth centre-back when he comes back. The likelihood of Joe Gomez getting back to being at the level he was, which, by the way, he wasn't always first choice, and we were looking for an upgrade anyway. So, you know, it's not like he was this Virgil 2.0. He was He's good. He can be very good at times, but he can also be poor. He's a young centre-back still finding his way. He's a year older than Trent and significantly less experienced than Trent. So, you know, Gomez has got a long road back. He's going to be, I think, the fourth centre-back next year with Kabak as the third and then Kanate and Virgil as the starting two. And that's just how it's going to be. Like, his knee is going to take a lot of time to get back to where it was. And then he's going to take a lot of time to get back to where he was. We probably won't see Joe Gomez looking anything like Joe Gomez until the following season, not next season. Um, 
But looking at, you know, you look at that that 11 that's kind of been the way that we've played. You've got the Matip, Matip Gomez thing, both injury prone. It's time to move on from Joel, I'm afraid. Henderson's always injured now. Always injured. You, you know, he, he's had five injuries in 12 months. You can't think that that's just going to stop itself. It's going to continue to happen. And people just need to accept that Alex Ferguson was right. That his running gait is, is what's causing him to get hurt. Um, Bobby has been poor for the better part of two seasons now. It is time to replace Bobby. Now, if that means that Jota replaces him in the team, well, then we need to bring in a quality attacker. Bobby can be the fourth or fifth attacker, and that's fine. But we still need one more. If you've got three attack, three attacking spots, you need four starter quality attackers, at least one with the potential to become a starter, and then you need a six just for depth. Same in midfield. You've got to have four quality starters and then a couple that you can always rely on. One one with potential to start. That would be Curtis for us. And say Naby as the sixth if he sticks around just as somebody you can rely on can, can come in and play. But Henderson's always hurt. Bobby's out of form. Mane's out of form. Matip is broken. There's just... It, it is time for Liverpool to refresh things. You've got a very short window where you've got all these world-class players like Alisson, Virgil, Fab, Thiago, Mo, Mane. They're all late 20s. Andy Robertson is now in his... Well, I think Andy Robertson's 27 now. So he's entering his late 20s. Of our world-class or close to a quota, only Trent is still in his early 20s. We have nobody world-class or close to it in that mid-20s range because Ali and Fab are 27, I think, 28. Like, Jota, I don't think he's going to be world-class. I think, like, Robbo, he'll be close to it. So he might be the one who's in that mid-20s kind of range. We need to find more players like that, more players of his profile who, you know, can either become world-class or close to it, but at, at the very least can become a good starter or the fourth, either the fourth midfielder, the fourth forward, the third centre-back, the third full-back, whatever. We need to start improving our depth. We really do. I've said before, we need six players this summer. We need yeah. six players this summer. We need a backup goalkeeper, a better backup goalkeeper, someone you can actually rely on. We need a better backup right-back. We need two centre-backs. We need one in attack, and we need one in midfield. Because Ginny's leaving, so we need a Ginny replacement. So we need six players this summer. And that's that's only factoring in Matip and Ginny going. Nobody else. That's all that factors in. Those two who are important leaving. Obviously, Adrian will go, so that creates a spot for the goalkeeper. But we need six players this summer. And it's not a summer that we can afford to just go and half-arse it. And we've already seen excuses start to get rolled out. Oh, well, you know, if we're not in the Champions League... I don't want to hear it. I really don't want to hear it. We won the Champions League and you spent four million. Four million. I think the net spend since we won that Champions League is about nine million across four windows. Like that's it's it's a joke, like it, it really Absolute is a joke. A lot of these analogies I always sort of bring back to Tottenham and how do they get a backup forward because you know Kane is going to start pretty much every game and they've traditionally played the 4-2-3-1 and Kane up top so 
that's what makes it so hard. We haven't got the money City have got or Chelsea have got or PSG have got. And, and you don't want players that are just going to come for 150 grand a week and sit on the bench. It's such a challenge for Edwards and the team to find that hungry player that wants to come in and play for a world-class manager and play oh. alongside these players. But the evidence suggests that they are just going to be bench players and they're not even going to get a chance to shine. It's such a small catchment of players we're leaving ourselves open to shop for if we carry on in this vein. But if he gets a better Ox, a better Shaq, etc., is it then likely to change or is this just the way it's going to be on the clock? And we've just got to hope and pray that it gets better. But after a summer of international football, where most of our players will again be playing a lot of minutes, there's not going to be much break. And then it's go again time. Mm. And who knows, as you say, next year we could be playing bloody Europa League qualifiers in July. That's the thing. We could be playing Europa League, Conference League. It could be even worse. It could be even more condensed. It's it's a worry for me looking ahead to the summer. What what are we actually going to do? And is this philosophy going to change? Or who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's a... Michael Edwards has proven he can do this. He can build a title-winning squad without having the Chelsea, City, United type of money. He doesn't need that type of money to do it. But he needs to be aggressive. And he needs to be allowed to be aggressive by the ownership. Like, we we had that deal done for Timo Werner. We backed out of it. We then found Jota, who was cheaper, and his wages are about a third of what Timo Werner's on. And... I mean, there's just no question who's had the better season. Um, we found Andy Robertson at Hull. We swapped him, basically, for Kevin Stewart, a player. That what we a had... genius move that was. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Stewart, we, we got for free after Spurs released him. We converted him from a right back into a midfielder and basically swapped him for Andy Robertson. Um. Yeah. Look, Mo, Mo and Mane and, and Bobby were all this kind of the same as Jota. They were, they were the secondary choices. They were all a little bit cheaper than the first. And the wages were lower, but they were hungry and they wanted to come and play for Klopp. So the, the, we have two ways of doing it. We can either go out and try and find undervalued players, or we can go, go and, find, and sign younger players. So, for example, if, if Shakiri is leaving... Well, Michael Elise is sitting at Reading. He's got an £8 million buyout clause. His wages will be very affordable. He's a massive talent. And you could sell him on coming to Liverpool, developing behind some of these players with the view of becoming a starter. So you're going and you're buying your Mo Salah replacement. You're saying to him, look, Mo's 29. He's got maybe two years max at the very highest level of you know, what he's performing like right now. And then we're going to either want to move him on or phase him out. So you've got to come work really hard for two years. When you get your chances, you need to take them. And then when Mo is ready to be moved on, that position becomes yours. I'd imagine that's how we sold Jota on making the move. But there's, there's good players across the other big four leagues. And there's good players in the mid-table of the Premier League. As long as you're not buying sort of established mid-table players. Like, Jota was an ascending player. It, that's different to when we signed Lalana, who was an established mid-table player. You know, 
we we got into this habit for too long of signing established mid-table players. Your Downings, your Andy Carrolls, your Charlie Adams, those type of guys who were, you know, already, well, Carroll was young, obviously, but the other two were well into their career and had never shown anything that suggested they were, you know, title-caliber players. We have the men to do it. We have the very best director of football around. We've got a manager who's a great recruiter. It does just depend on the ownership. If, if the ownership don't back them this summer, like having watched what just happened, then for me, that'll be, that'll be it. That, that's me done then with that ownership group. If they don't back Klopp this summer, and I kind of get the feeling they will because I was talking to somebody the other day who covers Manchester United, and he, he was saying, look, if United gets second, that's a disaster for the fan base who are clamoring for the big money signings. Like the reason they didn't come close to signing Sancho last year was because they finished in the top four. If they'd finished fifth, they almost certainly would have signed Sancho because their ownership will spend when they miss top four because they want to get back into that Champions League and get that Champions League money because a lot of their deals have kickers depending on Champions League qualification. So the more... The more years you're in the Champions League, the more money you're getting. And if you're out of the Champions League for multiple seasons, that money dwindles away. Some of our deals are like that as well. So I, I do wonder if our owners might take that type of approach. Well, like, we need to get back into the Champions League. How did we get there in the first place? We spent some money. We The first year Klopp took over, the first summer, they bought Sadio. They bought Ginny. They brought in Matip. They brought in a couple of others that summer as well. But they went and they spent money. They had an aggression to them that year. The following year, we'd finished fourth, but it was kind of a last day thing. Let's go again. Let's make sure this is more comfortable. We want to sustain this. And then they got comfortable in it. We start finishing second and first, and they get real comfortable, and they don't want to spend any money anymore. But I, I, I do think if we miss top four, I, I have a feeling there will be not... Not a, an Mbappe or anything silly like that, but I do think there'll be more aggression in the transfer market if we don't get top four. Because one season without it is fine, but you miss it a second time, that's when people start knocking on Klopp's door and saying, look, this has been great, but I want to go. Mo, yeah. Fab, Ali, Verge, th- those boys aren't staying for a second season without Champions League. They're just not. No, definitely. Fully agree. So I'm aware we're, we're getting closer and closer to kickoff. One other thing I sort of wanted to speak to you about, Ferguson during his glory years, if you like, unfortunately for United, changed his sort of coaching staff and his assistant quite regularly. Now, obviously, when Clough came in, we had Bouvat with us and that brought quite a lot of success. And then whatever happened, I don't think we'll ever find out the true story. Bouvat's left, Linders has come in and done a fantastic job and... I know you're like me, one of the ones that would be more angling for him to take over from Klopp. Do you think that's something that might need looked at and that they're almost getting too comfortable with Klopp and he needs a different voice, opinion in the changing room to look at things a bit differently and say say no to him, I guess. I don't know. I don't presume Lenders is a yes man at all. I think he's not. But just maybe freshening that up and bringing an extra voice and body in there might have some sort of impact on the way we do things. I, I don't know, to be totally honest with you. Like, you look at a manager like Ferguson, and it worked for him uh, to freshen things up. And, you know, but he also freshened up his team, remember? 
Yeah. Like, Ferguson didn't allow allow players to stagnate in his team. Ferguson took the Bob Paisley approach. Like, Ferguson would never have given Milner a contract extension at, at 34. Ferguson wouldn't have allowed Henderson to see 10, year, uh, 10 years at, Liverpool, at, at Manchester United. He would have been moving those players on and bringing through fresh talent. Uh, he wouldn't have allowed Ginny to get to the end of his contract and leave like this. He'd have sold them on, he'd have replaced them. Ferguson was very aggressive in the market. Ferguson was very much... Ferguson was cold with, with a lot of his players as well. That's the thing. Like Ferguson didn't have that loyalty to his players the way Klopp has. He, he had a bond with them, especially those that came through the academy. But when he felt like he couldn't trust you anymore, you were gone. Beckham, academy boy, superstar, developed under Ferguson. As soon as Ferguson felt Beckham's entire focus wasn't a Manchester United, gone. As soon as he felt like Roy Keane had passed the point of being useful, and Roy Keane was still a good player at that point, gone. Absolutely. Mark Hughes, Andre Kinchelskis, Paul Parker, Paul Ince. Ruud van Nistelrooy, Yapstam, all of these players he moved on. When he felt he'd gotten what he could get from them, he moved them on. Absolutely. And, and of all of them, it's only really Yapstam he's ever sort of had a regret yeah, about. And, and the Yap thing was because he wrote in his book that Ferguson had tapped him up. That's all that was. Yeah. Like Yap was still, Yap was the best centre-back in the league by a fairly considerable, I mean, Campbell was kind of becoming what he would become at that point. He hadn't fully hit his peak yet. But Ferguson was just, was ruthless, absolutely, absolutely ruthless. So it worked for him to change things. But you look at a Mourinho, he's never been the same since Rui Farrier left. Never been the same. Uh, Rafa Benitez was never the same after him and Paco Yeris then had their split. Brian Clough was never the same without Peter Taylor. So for certain managers... I think they need a yin to their yang. They need that constant presence there to balance them out. And it's so hard to do. And as we've said, we all, every Liverpool fan loves Klopp and under no circumstance should be ever looking to replace him. And I think no. it's, it's partly because of him and that loyalty he's shown to this group of 12, 13 players that they do go to war for him and just continually give all they've got for him because of who he is, because of the success he's brought them. So because they know he'll second. go to war for that for, for them. Absolutely, and not for any second that we send that that needs to be changed or overhauled. I'm just thinking, would it be beneficial to have that? I don't know, differing opinion to say, well, look, yes, you can still be loyal to them and still love them, but they don't have to play every minute of every game, and then you'll get more from them. And it's, I don't know, it's just just thoughts I've had really, and wanted to have a chat with you about and see what you thought. But I think we're all along the same sort of lines. It's just been a frustrating season, really, hasn't it? For for numerous it has. reasons. And like, the thing is, we we obviously Buvac left, and we went, and we won the Champions League and the Premier League. Of course, you don't know what would have happened if Buvac had stayed. We may well have won those things anyway. Like we were, we were on a, a really strong trajectory that he was very much a, a, a big part of building. You do sometimes look at us and we've become a little bit more predictable and a little less a little less flexible in-game than we were when Buvac was there. Now, again, that might just be 
that Klopp has decided that you know the best plan B is more of plan A. That he, you know, with with how many games we play, he doesn't have time to fully integrate other things. We've seen this season a little bit more change, um, you know, m- more movement towards that that kind of front four and a, and a double pivot. But I I don't know is the is the honest answer. I don't know. Like only Klopp really knows what he needs around him. Only Klopp knows the kind of impact that Buvac had on him, as opposed to what Linders has on him. Linder seems to be very, very popular. He's obviously incredibly highly rated as a development coach. Um, I, I don't know that he's the same level of tactician as Buvac. That was Buvac's big thing. Buvac was was the brain. So he was the, the real tactician among the group. Klopp was the motivator. And uh, Peter, like, I, I still can't pronounce the poor fellow's name. He's been <laughs> a I know the one you mean, yeah. Um, but he he's he's the eye, so he's the one that you know he's the talent evaluator. He's the one that sees you know things change in the game, whatever. That trio, Klopp, Buvac, and Peter, they were together for a long time. The one outsider in that group was John Achterberg when when Klopp took over. Why he kept him, I don't know. Um, I wonder if maybe that's where the change needs to happen. Just not not again, nothing against Actorberg. I'm not going to get into the semantics of you know this player did better under him and that player didn't. But maybe he's not going to he's not going to move Peter on. I don't think he's going to move Pep and Linders on. I think he's very very keen to keep Linders you know in the in the group. Either add another coach to it, or maybe replace. John Actorberg. Maybe that's where you change the dynamic just a little bit and they get some sort of different input into the overall plan. But then I don't know how much input a, a goalkeeping coach is really going to have into a tactical plan. You know, every coach is going to be different. You'll have some that have great ideas, some that won't. Like you look at um, Simeone's um, assistant manager for years. Uh, Jermaine Burgos, who was the, was the goalkeeping coach, but was also the assistant manager for years and years. He's now gone on to manage Newell's old boys himself. A guy like him will have big-time input because he's got an established relationship with Diego Simeone. I don't know that somebody new coming in would have that with Klopp, but maybe... The goalkeeping coach they had at Dortmund could have that. And I don't know what he's doing these days. I know when when the rest of them left, he still had a couple of years left on his contract. So he ended up staying there. Um, I, I don't know. Like Something does need to change. I, I think if, you, if they just freshen up the squad, I think that will have the required impact. If, if you get, get the six players needed... And go like if you've got a backup eleven. Say say next season our starting eleven is Ali, Trent, Kanate, Virgil, Robbo. Let's say we switch formation to a four-two-three-one, just for argument's sake. And we've got um, Fab and Thiago would be the two. Fab and Thiago as the two. Yeah. Then you'll have um, say Mane off the right, Jota off the left. Mo was the nine, and say we buy a number 10, say we go and we buy, rather than buying a direct Ginny replacement, say we just bring in someone that can play as a 10, 
Or we go 4-4-2 and play Mo and a striker up front, which would actually be my preference. So say we do that. Say we go 4-4-2, Mane Jota on the wings, Mo and a striker up front. And then in return, in, in reserve to that, you've got um, a new goalkeeper. You've got a new backup right back. You've got uh, Quebec and Gomez. You've got Simicus, Henderson and Naby as the double pivot in midfield. Um say what's his face Harvey Elliott comes back and he's the backup on one wing and maybe Curtis is used as the kind of depth option on the other wing and then Bobby plus you know one up front uh, plus plus another option up front like that might just give us the spark we need that might just be the, the thing that reignites it all I think Virgil coming back is going to have an incredible impact on this team Virgil is the, is is you can trace all our issues back to Virgil getting hurt. He's our best defender. He's the organizer of our back line. He's the one who enables us to play such a high line and play the style of football we do, which enables the, the counter press that we play. He's the one who starts a lot of attacks with his uh, distribution from the back. He's also the leader of the team. And people can point to armbands and whatever they want. There was no leadership in this team at all until Virgil arrived. And when he got hurt, there's been no leadership since, regardless of who's played. There's been no leadership in the team. There might have been a a couple of good example setters, but there's been no leadership since October. And anyone telling you otherwise is lying. There's been no leadership because he's been out, because he's the leader of the team. He might not wear the armband. He is the leader of the team. He's the one that organizes everything. He's the one that holds everybody accountable. He might not shout and point and do whatever, but he's the one that leads this team. And you can trace the hype around a certain other person's leadership back to the very month. There's an article by James Pierce from when he was at the Echo where he talks about the improvement in Henderson's leadership from the month that Virgil signed. (laughs) <laughs> as if it wasn't just Virgil arriving that improved the leadership in the team. Um, Virgil coming back, he's our best player. You get your best player back, you're going to get better. And when he does all those other things as well, that's going to have a massive effect. So once we get him back, that's going to help. But again, like I say, I do think we need freshening up. And I do think we need the owners to step up this summer. And Absolutely. provide the money for, for Klopp and Edwards to, to turn the squad over a little bit. There's plenty of players to go. I mean, if you look at the players we own, there's plenty of players that we can sell without really touching anybody of any importance. So Ginny will go. You could sell... Sorry, Adrian will go. You can sell Shakiri. You can sell Divock. You can sell Matip. You can sell Nat Phillips. You can sell... Grujic, Minamino, Karius, Ojo, Wilson, and Teo Awanyi. And the only one that has really contributed to our success on a regular basis is Joel Matip. But he's played 19 Premier League games in two seasons. So if you get somebody in who just plays more regularly than that, you've, you've fixed that issue. And all the rest are the very, very fringe of the squad, and I didn't even name Ox, who you can also sell, who hasn't contributed a whole whole lot. You could sell Naby if you got 25, 30 million from him. I wouldn't be against it for his sake as as much as the rest. I wouldn't be against selling Naby. 
But there's a whole bunch of players you can move on that will bring in decent amounts of money to fund bringing in the players we want to bring in. And like a backup right back, his age from, from Napoli is available on a free. You could go and get him. He'd be a really good addition as a backup to Trent. He's a high-quality player, and he's somebody that you don't have to worry about if he's in the team. Rui Silva of Granada is a very good goalkeeper. He's also on a free this summer. Stylistically, he's similar enough to Ali. He's an, an experienced, established player who's 27. He's got over 100 games in, in La Liga, so he's played at a high level before. And he won the best-performing goalkeeper in the um, in La Liga in 2018-19. So he has proven he can play. Sorry, in the second division. Sorry, in the second division, Spain. But he's proven he can play at a high level with, with Granada playing in Europa League this year. So he could be an option to bring in. So you're not spending a whole bunch of money. His wages would probably be about the same as Adrian's, about 50, 60 grand a week. His Azure's wages would be covered by Ginny leaving, let's say, and, and probably have some left over. So there's two players, two positions filled, and you don't have to do anything. We've got Kanate pretty much sorted by the looks of things. Quebec's deal should be fairly easy, but we're, I'd, I'd imagine Edwards will bully them. But if we could get the two of them in for, say, 45 million, Quebec and Kanate, and then sell Matip and Phillips for, say, a combined 30, well, their wages will be less than than um, Phillips and Matip earn combined. They earn about 120 grand a week combined. I reckon Quebec and think and Quebec and Canada will earn about that, about that between them. Maybe you take the rest of the Ginny money and you put it into that pot. But there's a 15 million outlay and four of your problem positions solved. So now you need one in midfield. You need one up front. Like Ox. And Divock and Taki should bring in, what would you say, 10 for for Divock, 10 to 12 for um, for Shaq, 10 to 12 for Taki. There's 35 million. Add in Wilson, there's another 10 to 12. Awanyi, there's nearly 60 million from five players that don't contribute. Exactly. That would I mean, get you. That would get you, Yosef and Nazri, and Naziri, the the striker from Sevilla, who can start for us up front. And their combined wages would be much more than he'd earn. So your wage bill goes down, and he's not going to cost everything you'd bring in. So you put some of that money towards midfield. You sell Ox, who doesn't really contribute, and you have Ginny leave. You're probably looking at. What fifty million would probably get Rafinha if you wanted him? If you wanted to play four four two, you could go Rafinha one wing, Mane the other, and Naziri and Salah up front, Fab and Thiago in midfield, and then you'd still have Henderson, Naby, Jota, and Bobby as your backup attackers, your backup front two, and then Harvey Elliott and and Curtis Jones your backup wide players. And if you were a bit concerned about you know needing more in midfield, you could go and buy somebody. You go yeah. buy a Bubakari Samari for about 25 million. I suppose that, that's the flip side of what we've just spent the last hour talking about, that if these fringe players are to be moved on, 
it's not really going to affect us because they don't really contribute. They don't play. They That's are the just taking up wages and taking up squad space. So if whatever you think of Shaq, Ox, Origi, etc., Klopp doesn't like them, doesn't trust them, they're not good enough, however you want to dress it up. So, yeah, I think now we are at a stage where that's what we'll be doing, which hopefully will tee us up nicely to the sort of brilliant transfer committee pod you guys put together at the end of the season. I'd, thankfully, I don't think we're quite in a state of one of your and Carl's fixing pods that you've been doing on Scouted with the likes no. of <laughs> Barcelona and Juventus. Thankfully, we're nowhere near that level. But yeah, it was just interesting to hear your thoughts and insights, really, and just just ways we can improve without major overhauls. But at the same time, as you said, like Ferguson used to do, it was some of these players. Now, yeah, it's ruthless. Thank you. You've got us to a certain level. You've won us that's trophies. It. We've, we've dreamed we've of winning. That's it. we we're going to move on. Like, absolutely. I think that's you need to be ruthless. And as harsh as that sounds, I think that is probably the only thing that can be levelled at Klopp in, in terms of a criticism is he may be not ruthless enough but the flip side of that is his players go to war for him and and that brings him such a level of success that I don't think anybody else would have got from these players no I, I, well Simeone is the only Conte as well I think I think they do the same thing I don't think they have Simeone has a very similar approach to Klopp he, he's you know incredibly loyal and his players are you know they're like made men in the mafia with him Conte's a little bit colder with players, but they do both get players to buy in and and sell them on, you know, what it'll mean to you if you win. Like, if you win the league title, you're going to make more money. And that's, you know, not obviously players aren't solely motivated by money, but money is a factor. It's a short career. You've got to make as much as you want or as much as you can. And you can set yourself up to for generational wealth where your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids won't ever really have to worry about money again. So, you know, I, I do think getting that buy-in is is mega important, but we do just need, like, we're just, we're, we're not particularly good at, at our resources at the moment. Like, Dan Kennett was talking a couple of weeks ago about how we had this incredibly high wage bill, but you start to go through it and look at some of the players that are on it that we're paying big money to, like we're paying a hundred grand a week to Ox, a hundred grand a week to Naby, a hundred and fifty grand a week to James Milner, a hundred grand a week to Matip. And these guys aren't, you know, Shaq's probably on 70, 80, Divox on about the same. These guys aren't contributing enough for us to be that, paying them that type of money. And that money adds up and it adds up quickly. It does. It adds up to massive amounts. And like if you can I think I probably listed twelve players you could sell without touching anyone that was in that kind of 18 that I mentioned earlier with that Klopp trusts, you know, all the lone lads, the only ones you'd look at and say, right, they might have a future are Harvey Elliott and maybe Camille Grabera. Uh, all yeah. the rest of them can be sold off. There's a few in the squad that could be sold off for sure. You could probably, a 25 man squad is probably what you ideally want. If you, if you have, say you're playing four, four, 442 just just as, as an example you probably want three goalkeepers you'll want nine defenders so a starting four a backup four and, and a fifth center back so now you've got 12 if you're playing a midfield four again you want nine so you've got a starting four a backup four and a, and a fifth center midfielder and then four strikers and that's probably where you have your perfect balance in your squad and it, it wouldn't take a whole lot for us to get to having 
a 25-man squad, all of players Klopp can trust, all of players he knows he can rely on, all of players who are good enough. So that if, like, for example, if Thiago and Fabinho are the starting two midfielders and Thiago needs a game off, you can bring in Henderson or you can bring in Naby and you're not going to notice. Like, it's not like a thing where, you know, you take Thiago out and Milner has to play or you take Virgil out at the back and Matt Phillips is in the team. Yeah. It's, it's players who are of a comparable level who may not play... Like, Henderson's not Thiago in terms of his ability. Thiago's level is much higher, but Henderson can hit that level. Not every week, but certain weeks, Henderson can hit that level. Definitely, so, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you're getting that comparative thing. The same thing if you've got Mo and, and, and then Naziri up front and Mo has to sit out, Jota can come in. He's not Mo, but he can perform at that level in spurts. And that's where you get a squad. That's what United were always so good at. Like, when they had the Berbatov, Tevez, Ronaldo, and Rooney, the front four where three of them would start and the other one would rotate, like, there was just no drop-off. That's a freak situation, obviously, because it was four incredible players. But... That's what you ideally want to get to. You want to get to the point where you do have players on your bench that other clubs look at and think, how do they have him? Like, you look at City, right? Look at City right now. Ederson is is a great goalkeeper, but at centre-back, they've got Diaz and Stone starting, and Americ Laporte is on the bench. The guy was the, one of the top three centre-backs in the league last year. And then a £40 million Nathan Ake as fourth. Place. And Nathan Ake is the fourth centre-back. And he got Nathan was million pounds. the league. Exactly. Um, you've got the likes of Gabby Jesus isn't a regular starter. Phil Foden isn't a regular starter. Bernardo Silva isn't a regular starter. No. Like, if they're playing their kind of first-choice 11, it's probably De Bruyne, Rodri, and Gundogan in midfield, and then um, Mares, say Foden now, Foden and Sterling. Well, Gabi Jesus is a really good player, Brazilian international regular goal scorer, not in the team. Aguero's not in that team. Bernardo Silva. And Bernardo Silva's not in the team. And Ferran Torres is not in that team, who's another good young player. As much as he's aged a bit now, Fernandinho's not in that team. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, um, these are that's where you want to get to. And yes, we can't do it the same way as them, but we don't need to. No. Look at our signings the last five years versus theirs. Look how many misses they've had compared to us. They've had quite a few. We haven't really had any. You can make an argument against for Naby as a miss, but it, injuries are the factor there. It's not that he wasn't a suited player. But, like, you know, John Stones has been terrible for years. having a good season this year, but he was poor for a bunch of years. They've, they've missed on a bunch of signings. We don't miss as often as they do, if ever. So we don't need the money they do. We just need to use our money smartly. Under Rodgers, we didn't use our money smartly. Under Klopp, we have. And that's how we've built this squad. And if we can do it again this summer, there's nothing between us and them. Like, there's really nothing between us and them. Everybody at full strength, with a couple of additions, we're absolutely the team they are, if not better. Yeah. 
And they've just lost at home to Leeds United, who had 10 men for most of the second half. If not, in fact, all of the second half. So, so there you go. Yeah, that is a... That is a, a, a well, look, the, the thing for City is they rotated heavily. But here's, here's the fun stat of the week. City had 29 shots, 7 on target, and 71% possession. Scored one goal. Leeds had two shots, both on target, 29% possession, scored two goals. Two shots, two goals. Fabulous. So they got absolutely battered. <laughs> but, they, but as you <laughs> say, that we're never going to compete with that, with what they've got and the value they've got. It's just using what we've got that's as smart as we possibly can. And that's but the look at this I mean. way, right? They, they buy a £60 million player who's then worth 60 to £70 million. We buy thirty million pound players who become sixty, seventy million pound players. Absolutely. So and it doesn't matter. They've they've won the league anyway. And oh yeah, they're going to win the league. Dortmund, but just looking today, Walker, Diaz, Rodri, De Bruyne, and Mares. Not one of them got even on the pitch. No, but and those but five at the same time. For... At the same time, Edison costs thirty-five million in gold. Can sale Stones, Aki, and Mendy? cost a combined 200 million for a back four Silva Fer- Fernandinho and Zinchenko Zinchenko is about two and a half million but the other two cost about 60 million so you've got about 300 million there um Jesus was 30 Ferran Torres was 20 Sterling was 50 it's about a 400 million pound starting 11 it's not bad is it with, with Walker Diaz Gundogan De Bruyne Mares, Rodri all sitting out Walker was 50, Diaz was 60, De Bruyne was 50-odd, Rodri was 60, Maris was 60, Gundogan was 25 or something. But you've got another 300 million sitting on the bench. Yep. Like, we don't need to have 700 million in players that we've spent, but we can easily have 700 million in players in terms of what they're actually worth. You know, we can easily do that because we've got the men... Michael Edwards is brilliant at what he does and the group of, of people he has around him in our recruitment department and our analytics department, they're incredible. They're the very best of what they do. They just need to be given the opportunity to do it. And if they're given that opportunity this summer, I have absolutely no doubt they will smash it out of the park. Absolutely no doubt at all that they will smash it out of the park and they can build a team that gets us back to where we want to be, which is winning the title, winning the Champions League. Absolutely. I think as, as you said, the, the main thing we need is a bit more luck with our injuries and having Virgil fit. And if we can get Canato over the line, we'll make a big difference. And then just some smart moves in the transfer market. We don't need to go and blow anybody out the water. We just need upgrades on your Shacks, your Origis, your Oxes, the Klopp's going to trust that can play 1,500 minutes instead of the likes of 200 minutes. And then everybody else burns into the ground. So mm. hopefully an exciting summer to come. Yeah, with a bit of luck. Like I say, we need a couple of starters, but it is it's it's depth, it's maintenance, it's moving players on, it's not allowing stagnation. It's doable. It's doable very affordably, very very affordably, as long as we're aggressive. Absolutely, but we are approaching kickoff now, so I think we'll we'll call that one a day. I'm not quite sure when Guy will have this one out, but. It's before kickoff, so it'll be out after the game. But predictions for today, Dave? Now you've seen the teams. Um, I've gone. I've, I've gone three-one and two-one between scouted and two-footed. 
Uh, I will go ahead and go with 2-1 to the Reds. We have to start winning games at home. Uh, but James Milner in, in front of Nat Phillips on the right-hand side of our team does not fill me with with joy, especially against Ollie Watkins, who will, I think, spend most of his day running in behind Nat Phillips. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to go for a 3-0 when I think Klopp will have him fired up after the shambolic showing in the week and Jotter and Salah will have a field day and we'll finally get that long elusive win at Anfield we've missed for months and months and we'll, we'll win 3-0. But I think that we'll call that a day there. Thank you very much for your time again, Dave, and your insight. Really appreciated that. Good to have a chat with you and a few thoughts about how the Reds can improve and get back to the glory heights of winning leagues, winning Champions League. So we shall see what the summer brings. Yeah, hopefully Stephen will be available next time and not renovating another one of his mansions. Absolutely. Brilliant. Cheers for your time, Dave, and I shall catch up with you soon. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.